Hello out there. How are you doing? Shara Carruthers here. You know, these are really interesting times and I'm finding that having conversations is something that is really grounding me right now and Maria too. So get ready for more from us in the coming weeks. And we've got a wonderful conversation to share with you today. About a month ago, Maria and I sat down with the lovely Leela Stewart for a deep and meaningful chat about her work as a yoga therapist. We got to dive deep into her incredibly interesting history with yoga to get a much better sense for where her approach comes from and where it can take us. So Leela's decades-long work is a reflection of her lifelong passion for movement of all types. So she's a clinical massage therapist and a pioneer in the field of movement education. And she's written books and she's developed programs that are centered around sharing the wisdom of the body in a therapeutic context, which we'll talk more about or you'll hear more about in our talk. I love Leela's approach to all of this. It's really beautiful. And in many ways, it feels like it supports so much of what I believe about the body and our relationship to it. Leela also has a really busy schedule of teaching and traveling. So Maria and I were honored to have had this time with her and this beautiful conversation as well. I hope you enjoy it. intro. We are here today with Leela Stewart. It's me, Maria, and Leela, and we've got a lot of wonderful things to talk about. So, Leela, why don't we just get started? Why don't we just jump straight in and give us a sense? I know you've got an accent similar to Maria and I, so mm-hmm. just like give us a sense of where, you, where you've come from and how you got into all of this, where you started, your yoga story. Yeah, my yoga story. I started when I was 19, and I had a, a, a landscaping job. It was the first time in my life I'd ever really used my body like that, and I really wrecked my back. Mm-hmm. And I went back to uni, and I couldn't sit in the desk. I was shifting every 10 seconds, and I was so uncomfortable standing, lying down, anything. And a friend of mine said, my boyfriend's mother is doing this thing called yoga. This I'm going to date myself here. <laughs> it was 1974. And uh, she said my that his mother's doing this thing called yoga, and it's supposed to be good for your back. So I bought a yoga book. It was called The ABCs of Yoga. And I taught myself yoga. And it, it helped. It, it didn't cure me but it it decreased my symptoms every morning and then it would be the same every subsequent morning and I would I learned things that I could do during the day if the if the if the pain built up and and so that's how I got started um and so yoga for me has always been a therapeutic thing yeah is this is this book ABCs of yoga is that still around it's it's written by a a great-grandmother of many yoga teachers in Canada, mm-hmm. Karine Zebroff, who's still alive, and she was an overweight, unhappy housewife, and her mother turned her on to yoga, and she ended up having a yoga TV show and oh. wrote a whole bunch of books. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she really brought yoga to a lot of people in mm-hmm. Canada. 
So that's how it started. And then over the years, I started to take yoga classes. And, and when, I, when I found my first teacher trainer and studied with her, she, she worked multidimensionally and, ve- and very much with prana. And so uh, I still, that was probably almost 20 years after my injury, and I still had, I still had a back problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but working with her, and we would, we would squeeze prana, and we would, <laughs> you know, we would move prana. And, um, and over time studying with her, I stopped having a back problem. All together. All together. Wow. All together. So can you give an example of how you squeeze yeah, your back? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> we would do pranic pump things. So going in and out of a posture. Um, and I know it's, it's not done now, but in triangle pose, we would take our back hip way back and just... Um, move energy and we would make and we would sound Interesting. yeah so you like you'd make sounds from your yeah. mouth like yeah okay yeah. yeah like because you know when you're when you're coming up to a barrier mm-hmm. and yes. you know it's coming and you're moving closer to it you know whether it's whether you're in a posture or whether you're in your therapist's office mm-hmm. something is coming up and she would just get us to go you know, it was, I mean, it was also the time of, uh, yes. of, um, yes, 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 and prime, you know, all kinds of primal therapy yeah. and her, and her partner was a, was a therapist. So, so we got, you know, Stanley Kellerman and, you know, <laughs> and all of that stuff. So I really, I learned how to move energy, how mm-hmm. to work with energy. And she talked about the fourth dimension mm-hmm. and, um, we did a lot of chronic practices, pranayama and, and, and chanting. And, and she did this thing called toning where she would just tune into prana and these sounds would come out of her and they would be healing sounds. And sometimes she would do that for Shavasana. So, so I was very lucky to have her as my first real teacher that I had a relationship with rather than just going to yoga classes here and there. And that golden thread that I was talking about before we went live is that every single teacher that I ever worked with, like I started dancing when, when I went to university and, um, every teacher, dancer, movement therapist I ever came across was always coming from the mind body perspective. Mm -hmm. So that's all I knew. And same with when I trained as a massage therapist, um, well, before I went to school, I, I took some massage therapy courses and my main teacher came from that perspective. So for me, it's just really odd to hear people talk about yoga being a physical practice because it's never, except for when I just started with so the book, you were so that I could from so many yeah. by, by having that introduction. Yeah. Because so many people had to actually be disabused of that yeah and then relearn which creates a real shape yeah and so and so for me uh, the practice was never about these 
fabulous poses and I can do this, aren't I so wonderful? Uh, it was always about how can I how can I move into this posture in a way that is helpful, that moves energy and that makes me feel better mm. Mm. while I'm doing it and afterwards. Was that something, was that unusual for where you were? Like, do you know if other people's experience was different or I wonder? I am just so blessed. Yeah. So blessed to have had that. Yeah. Yeah. And even, but even, even when I was on my own practicing yoga, what I say to people is that yoga reaches out and grabs you. Mm -hmm. And I found myself moving towards being a vegetarian and, Mm. you know, I was always a fairly nonviolent person, but becoming even more so. And, and so yoga worked its magic on me that way. And I think that that can happen when there's no ego involved in, oh, I'm so great, I can do a handstand. Mm -hmm. You know, and we have to ask, well, why are you doing a handstand? What is the purpose? Yeah, maybe it was that that therapeutic beginning for you too, that you didn't start from that um, attainment of postures, that you were already looking to alleviate suffering. Yes, yes. It takes on a really different perspective. Yeah, yes. And that alleviation of suffering, of course, is what yoga is all about Mm. period many levels yeah yeah (laughs) and so so did you end up continuing to work with this teacher like what i still do she's she's 70 teacher sandra sammartino Uh yeah yeah and uh she's what is her she's got some online books called yoga hmm Anyway, she's great. She was she started out as an Iyengar teacher and then she went way beyond what the Iyengar establishment would allow, mm-hmm. especially with her chanting and and her toning and her moving prana. And um uh yeah, she has taught so many teachers and she still teaches and she lives very close to me. So wow. I'm very lucky Amazing. that way. Yeah, and and then my other main teacher, who I actually uh, started studying with before Sandra, um, is a uh, a movement teacher, and and her training was with um, sensory awareness with um, uh, Charlotte Selver, and who was the who was mindfulness queen before mindfulness was even a term. Wow. And with, um, uh, 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 in the lineage of Francoise Mezier, um, the book, The Body Has Its Reasons, mm-hmm. um, uh, Bertolat, Therese Bertolat, she directly studied with her. So, and she also studied with Janet Adler of, of Authentic Movement. Mm-hmm. So from her, I got this very precise, aware, movement awareness that went um much deeper than that you know so, so what's this teacher's name her say? name is judith coltai and mm-hmm. her practice is called um um embodied practice mm-hmm. so she combines all of those things but cool. she's not teaching so much anymore but no but still i'm very lucky yeah her website is is 
Fabulous. We'll show notes everything you mentioned. Yeah. Yes, Don't yes, panic, yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So is the background for a lot of this stuff, is it dance? Is it is it performance? Is um, it no, therapy? it's um Mazir it... was a physiotherapist. Okay. Judith was an occupational therapist, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, and uh, Charlotte Selver was in the lineage of um, uh, well, the grandmother of all bind body out of Europe. Yeah. Not Mabel um, Todd. No, 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 before uh, Mabel Todd. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, out of that school, and yeah. so and so. Um, her Charlotte Selvers whole thing is is to be aware of your whole self mm-hmm. in everything that you do, mm-hmm. in everything that you do. Yeah. And so for me, that became how I taught yoga. So that so that can because um, uh, Charlotte Selver, Selver, one of the things that she used to say a lot is, um, um, "Are you bringing all of yourself to this movement? Mm. Are you bringing all of yourself, or how much of yourself are you?" Are you abandoning in this movement? Yeah. Yeah. So, all, so I've been so lucky that all of these teachers were steeped in the multidimensionality of our beingness, mm-hmm. and that that's always been very interesting to me, even from a very young age of of you know getting that what's going on inside people isn't what was going on you know, what they were projecting in right. the world. But again, yeah. the orthodoxy of yoga wasn't something that, that got in your way. Because for a lot of people, they're weighted to a school or to something. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas that orthodox, you were already with these teachers who are so eclectic, you were going to take... Or, Dilettantish. Or yeah. Dilettantish. Dilettantish. Yeah, but also um, yeah. buffet style, take yes. what you yes. need. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so for example, mm. one of my early movement teacher dance teachers introduced me to Feldenkrais. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so back in the 70s I was already doing spine chain and you know and being really aware. So I think that that I think that that aspect is really missing from from general yoga teaching yeah. and I and agree. practice. Yeah. How well how was this received by the students? I mean, maybe it, if it was something new, if yoga was new, then maybe they wouldn't yeah. have had a sense. But. Well, you see, oh, I in my I have a studio, uh-huh. a yoga ther- a dedicated yoga therapy studio, uh-huh. and it's for twenty one years now, <laughs> and um, I am turning it over to my co teacher uh-huh. in June. Yeah. Um, wow, that's a good long time. It is a very it's the longest really, I've ever done anything in my life. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I get. I get uh, people who wouldn't do well in a regular yoga class or some people who have never done yoga. And so that's all that they, that's all they know. Mm -hmm. And what they get is themselves. And for a lot of people, it's the only place that they can go where they can be themselves, Mm -hmm. where they, where they are invited to, to leave their self judgment at the door and to, consciously cultivate self-compassion and self-love which is why I love the name of yeah. your of your podcast yeah and I'll, I'll tell you a story I told this to mm. Maria I made her stop so she would tell us a well I have two stories actually mm. um, I have a student who underwent an incredible 
the incredible and unfathomable trauma of having her son commit suicide in oh. front of her. Oh. Yeah. And so, yeah. Ooh, that's rough even hearing. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, it makes me want to weep mm. just hearing it. But she found us. And she, she started to come to class. And she was just so broken in the beginning. But I, you know, I could see her progression of, of coming, of becoming fuller and more interactive with other people. And she said just before I left, because um, I always ask people at the end of the semester, so what's changed? You know, what's going on? What are you finding? And she said, um, every time we cover a part or a system or a concept, I feel like I get more of myself back. Mm. Because, you know, seeing that, she would have been totally dissociated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it was so wonderful to hear that, but also to see that mm. she was inhabiting herself. She was getting the brightness and the prana and, and being in her own fullness more. This, is, this makes me so excited, though, because I think your approach with embodied anatomy for trauma like that, instead of saying we're going to do trauma, yeah. it's not even talking about feelings or things like that. It's talking about the body. Yeah. So it's, as Jeevana Heyman says for accessible yoga, the body's a really accessible thing. We've all got yeah. one. Mm. And it's it's not too fruitcakey and kind of psycho-spiritual. It's like... Let's just inhabit yeah. your actual body and love and regain yourself that way. And it's, yeah. it's, and so it's insidious mm -hmm. because it, 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 it's, it can never just be the body. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. But exactly. it's this pathway through. It's and the it doorway. Isn't too, it's like beautiful ground. It isn't too through, fruity yeah. or psycho, psychological. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where Asking it's, people to reach further than they can. Yeah. Really, like, yep. And I think that's going through the back door with abuse survivors, especially with the SOAS work, I found, you know, I was teaching that work before trauma, even trauma existed. was even a big, you mm -hmm. know, trauma informed therapy was, it was a big deal. And, and that, and what I found is that people through doing the SOAS work, which is experiential anatomy mm -hmm. and getting a sense of their physical self, mm -hmm. which of course is multi-layered mm -hmm. and leads us to the other koshas the mm. other the other parts of us um that um they became resourced mm. so through the work so especially mm -hmm. the soas work because it's a it's our center our core and mm. it connects everything um that they they felt themselves felt grounded they felt them they they could feel themselves supporting themselves through the psoas, they could feel themselves moving from their center. They could feel when they were moving from their center and not. And it's, and the way I look at it is kind of like you learn how to be seated in yourself. Mm. And then when you're seated in yourself, then what other people do or say is of not so much consequence. You don't abandon yourself mm. anymore. I love that so yeah. much. So the the Sanskrit word in Ayurveda for helping I don't know if you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, Svasta. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've been reading this the same idea of being established in, in yourself, yourself, being this kind of, uh, just everywhere, and I'm loving how it's coming from so many different places. Yeah. 
but it all comes back to the same thing, the same idea, you know? Yeah. We're talking about experiential anatomy. I really want to dive into this. Okay. I really want to understand more. Like, what, okay. how, what, can you do, what can you tell us about it? Okay. Well, it's very useful to learn one-dimensional or two-dimensional anatomy, to learn about what the body is like and, you know, where things attach and where they are. Yeah. But that... That kind of anatomy is very cerebral. It stays in your head. And like I think you said last night, it doesn't really stay in your head because you just forget it. Yeah. Most people do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You end up with a little bit. <laughs> and so experiential anatomy is taking one piece. So in the context of the whole, because that we never forget that we are a whole, that we came from one cell and we grew all of this. So it might be interesting to look at the parts, but always in context of the whole. Mm -hmm. And so in experiential anatomy, we take one part or one system and we learn about it. So I say, I, I've broken it down into three steps. The first step is learn it. And I have to credit my husband for coming up with these three sort of phrases then we then we feel it mm -hmm. so he came up with learn it feel it heal it ah so it. we learn we learn it i'm like having these and you can immediately connect to it so yeah. easy it's yeah so it is well, it's my good. husband was a marketer so oh, he, right. you know, his mind works that way i love that and so in in feeling it yeah. we might so take for example um in in breathing you mm -hmm. can learn about the the container the 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 bones you can learn about the muscles you can learn about the lungs um but in experiential anatomy we take each one of those pieces and we really learn we learn how to have a felt sense of it so mm -hmm. that it 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 leaves the theoretical cerebral and it becomes an embodied experience so i'll just give you a couple of examples yeah, with please. the with the breath um, the breathing body so we know that um, the ribs widen and spread mm -hmm. but um, they can only widen and spread as much as the soft tissue allows so what if we feel each rib or what if we tap the ribs mm -hmm. and what if we follow some ribs palpating them mm -hmm. and what if we then palpate the spaces in between the ribs the intercostal spaces mm -hmm. and and where the intercostal muscles are often very constricted mm -hmm. and then we do one side and we compare it to the other side and it's like, whoa, that side's moving way more. I can get way more breath into that side. I like that, yeah. you know? So that would be the, a bone thing, mm -hmm. or we could do the same thing with the clavicles or how the, how the ribs hinge mm -hmm. at the, at the spine and do some practices that encourage that movement. Mm -hmm. um, we can do practices with the, diaphragm um you know imagery and we can feel the diaphragm you know when you inhale you can feel it come down mm -hmm. and um and if with the lungs we can do a practice with the lungs as organs 
So mm -hmm. I do the, the water-filled balloon, and we use that to get a sense of the weight and the volume of, of the lungs. And then we, we play with how do we move if we're pouring fluid in the lung? How do we move from the lungs? Mm -hmm. How do we breathe into the lungs rather than breathing from the lungs? Mm -hmm. So all these different practices that bring layers and layers and layers of somatic memory. Yeah, so we bring it into the soma and we awaken the intelligence of all of those parts. So it's like when you do family therapy, you take, you extract one member, you therapize them, and then when they go back, the whole fam family dynamic changes. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same thing. Once you do one part, then we do a whole body practice and we see well how does that change the game mm -hmm. do i you know oh i feel more integrated oh i feel more seated in myself oh i feel calmer mm -hmm. what, whatever it is mm -hmm. so there's always a physical there's oh i feel prana moving right you know so you awaken the intelligence and then you build the the map the somatosensory map in the brain mm -hmm. you know we like um uh What's his name? The, um, the how the brain heals itself. What's his oh, name? Deutsch. Deutsch. Yeah. Deutsch. Yeah, he talks about creating more real estate in your brain for yes. for different parts, mm -hmm. and so that's what we do. And then when you have when you keep doing that, then then you have a choice. So when I reach for something, it's like, oh, I'll reach for my lungs or, oh, I'm going to reach for my kidney or I'm going to stay grounded when I reach for that. Or, so it's like, it becomes a bit of an adventure. What am I going to do? Well, you know, how am I, what am I going to utilize today? Mm -hmm. And it keeps bringing you more back, more into yourself. Mm. Yeah. And, but not in a, um, in a self-indulgent way, mm -hmm. it's always in a healing way, it's always in uh, how is this more efficient, how is this more integrated, um, how is this stronger. How so is I that what you mean by the back door, that you're not kind of going through a kind of cortical learning yeah. sense yeah. of it, that you're going through the somatosensory, yes. a little like Feldenkrais does, yes. it works with your nervous system. Yeah. Yeah. And going through the back door then builds the resources mm -hmm. so that when, when stuff does come up, you're all, you can already handle it much better. Because it almost restores faith in yourself, I think. You, yeah. you, because when you've done it, if, if you have to think, think, think about it, and what can I remember, yeah. you can panic and forget. Yeah. But if you think, no, 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 that just mm -hmm. came... It's part of that self-love and that self-faith where mm -hmm. you're like, I just nailed that and mm -hmm. I, I didn't have to work at all. I think uh, that's yeah. my impression. I think the right. word faith is a word mm. that has been used before mm. with respect right. to this work. And mm. it is. Yeah. It's like you have faith in yourself. Yeah. And I think that's what my, what that, what that teacher was talking about when she was talking how, about how experiential anatomy helped her be with her damaged self, mm -hmm. which isn't so damaged anymore because mm -hmm. she has faith in herself and mm -hmm. in her own resources and in her own ability to spontaneously come up with what is necessary. And that's right, to use your gut to respond correctly. Because yeah. yeah. another yeah. one, as you were saying, when someone says, love yourself, you're like, what do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. If someone says, trust your gut, 
That can be actually really jarring if yeah. you don't have a process yes. to check with it. But if you can, if, but if somebody has gone through the psoas work and they and they can, and they have a sense and a visual of of it supporting their spine mm. and of it being their physical center, mm. then um, then they can go there. Mm. And that's the other that's the other thing about about um, experiential anatomy is that it is um, re- it is replicable. Yeah, you can keep going back to it over and over again, mm-hmm. and the more you do it, the more you have it. Yeah, you know, for example, the I I I teach footwork in yeah. a very specific way, and it's I I call it finding footing, you know, and and the stories that people have told yeah. over the years about how that has helped them stand in their own power, stand with themselves, stand on their own two feet. Mm. And so that for me, that's what's really exciting um, as a teacher and as a trainer mm. is when people thrive and, and feel empowered. Mm. Yeah. So I'm, you know, getting kind of back to the, I'm not in a lineage. I'm not in a lineage. Yeah. But there's lots of lineage in me, yeah, and right. um, and I appreciate being able to draw from all of these different streams. Mm. Yeah, and I don't get stuck, and it's not well. I'm a this teacher, or I'm a that mm. teacher. So it's like, well, what's going to work for you? Right. Again, isn't that an act of self trust as well? <laughs> yeah. To yeah. to find your way and be able to choose what's appropriate right now. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think that's a powerful model to be building for students and for people out in the world as well, you know? It's listening to this, I'm, it, I'm, what's coming to me is it's, it's building this intuitive sense of, of who you are, of yeah. yourself, and how, and I can even feel it in my own body, that, fe- that difference between when you're completely disconnected, mm-hmm. when you're sort of moving through the world like you're just a mind on a stick yeah. or something, just a bunch of thoughts. Or like the, uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> the Russian embodiment conference, they said, talk about how um, we're not just, the, the body is not just a brain taxi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you um, can... Mark, whatever the... Oh, Mark Walsh. Podcast Mark guy. Walsh. Oh, yeah. okay. He was, he was one of the presenters, yeah. And when you, when you start to really feel yourself... It, I can, I, even just talking about it's it. It's so sweet. It's grounding. It, it, yeah. and it definitely kind of brings or fosters that, that trust, like we're talking about, that faith mm. in yourself and the yeah. steps you take and the choices because you can feel, it's almost like you can feel what's right. Yes. Yeah, well, it brings, it, it brings, uh, it's, it develops your interception, your yeah. interceptive skills. Yes. And um, I just want to give one quote from Judith Kultai. Which, uh, she forgot that she said it, but I wrote it down, and mm-hmm. I've been just saying it for years now. But don't you love that? When you teach people to be... No, that teaching people to be in their bodies is a dangerous political act. <laughs> because when you teach people to be in their bodies, they cannot be controlled. Mm. Yeah, and that's what interoception yeah. does. You know, we know now... I mean, there's so much research now on interoception yeah. and how it can... It can decrease pain and it can decrease inflammation and it's also um, the um, the brain connections ha- ha- are they're connected to our emotional processing. Mm. So when you develop interoception through experiential anatomy, then you are building um, more bridges 
in your brain. You're build, you're building more connections in your brain, mm. and then and then that gives you more resources. Mm. So all the pain research, all of that, Lorimer Mosley and David Butler, all that that whole group is talking about how maps become faulty in a pained body. Yeah. That we, yes. You know, it's either not there or the knee's too big or too small or whatever it is, and this. Providing information. Well, I, I feel like I got the idea from you, but it's I have this idea of a, a NASA group. You know, in, when you go to space, and then you've got all the dudes with cigarettes and glasses. <laughs> Houston, and you, give your, yeah, you send your problem to Houston. Right. So in Apollo thirteen, they had to put square filters in the round holes, yeah. and so they just said to the Houston guys, "This is what they have. Give them a procedure." And it's almost like your motor cortex is up there figuring it out, and you just have to send them the current information. Yeah. And it'll work it out. So it doesn't have to be this yeah. thinking, efforting. Mm. Yeah. You just trust you. You guys are there. First, yeah. I've got guys because it's an acid team. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's that, it's kind of accessing the, the, the genius and brilliance yeah. and intuition of your own mind. And the trust. Yeah. And the trust. And the trust. Yeah. And faith. Mm. Well, yeah. um, exactly. I yeah. had was lucky enough to spend some time with Lorimer mostly a whole mm. eight-hour day. Mm. And the way he said it just... Well, no, he, this is what he said. And then, and then I had a response of, oh, that's, that's why yoga therapy works. He said that there, there's, there's neuro tags for back pain or for this movement or for that movement. Mm -hmm. And so there's certain number of, of neurons that are involved in that. Those neurons can also be involved in other neuro tags. Mm -hmm. So if we engage the neurons in interoception or in chanting or mm-hmm. something, they're not available for the pain mm-hmm. neurotech. So, so that's I, what I understand about the neuroscience of, of how interoception and proprioception training can decrease pain. Hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, we just, we have to engage different pathways yeah. and we're so, we're so plastic. Mm. we're so plastic in our brain we're so plastic in our body you know we have this bioplasticity and but we need the information like Mm. you were saying and it's also um it's kind of dropping in using vagus and using that interoceptive stuff kind of the brain can go oh my gosh it's all we've got this sense of threat the world is on fire or whatever Mm -hmm. it is yeah and then you check with your body, and the body goes, well, actually, all the guts are still inside, and we don't yeah. seem to be leaking blood in a catastrophic brain. So, you know, last we checked, we're good down here. Yeah. yeah. And so there's an input that says, no, it is not a life-threatening event, even yeah. though the, 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 the top down is saying, yeah. the bottom up is saying, mm-hmm. we're actually cool. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. yeah, and that's what experiential anatomy mm-hmm. does, because you, if you know what your patterns of self-abandonment or freaking out are... Mm-hmm then you've done enough training to know that, well, if I just go to my psoas mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, stiffen it up a little bit or, you know, or I go to my foot triangles and I, and I relax into them or I, um, I, do my, I do my rib breath or my back breathing, mm-hmm. you know. So all of these things, they bring you back to yourself and they take you out of that freaking out. And you get those, and they're safety messages. Because mm-hmm. when you go back to yourself, it's like, oh, yeah, my body. Oh, right. I remember you. Thank you <laughs> so much. That's right. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you go. You go. I, 
So I'm I'm wondering what this looks like for people on the mat. In, in in particular, I'm really interested in how I'm I'm interested in this idea of individualization of practice mm-hmm. and how we can give what Jesus last last sort of says sort of give them their gold back. Have you heard that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's this idea of um, informing and empowering students to or people anyone to to kind of own themselves wherever they are mm. and you know in yoga often in yoga classes if, if we're talking about therapy where it's a one-on-one thing that's something a little bit different because mm-hmm. we're kind of there kind of specifically for the person mm-hmm. in front of us but if it's a group of people it's kind of a whole other dynamic it is but it's i talk about the the laboratory of your own body mm-hmm. and so you do little experiments Love or little in- inquiries, and yeah. that's something that I learned from Judith Coltai, um, the experiments that you mm. do. And so people, so maybe in, so at the, this is how a class of mine would go. We, yeah. we, um, we learn something first, mm-hmm. we do the learn it, and then we feel it in our own body. So yeah. we'll, we start um, usually non-weight bearing, and then we'll go into other positions, and then we'll take it into postures. And in the postures, they will experiment and see, well, what feels stronger or what feels more integrated mm. or where can I feel that, you know, that. Yeah. <laughs> of, oh, that's what it's alignment there. is. Yes. The, oh, that's what alignment yes. is. And then we purposely mm-hmm. go out of that and back. Can you find that again? Yeah. And what does that feel like? In Like, what are the sensations that tell you? that you're there. So that's how it's individualized. Yeah. And and there might be someone in class who's doing it on a chair or behind a chair or at the wall or whatever as well. Those kind of standard um, choices yeah. oh, for people. I love that. Yeah. So it's all so it's always about like I say to people, it's, it's about you. Yeah. It's always about you. And you're learning about you, not the yoga. Yeah, the yoga exactly. is about you. Yeah. yeah. And and that that recommendation to know thyself mm-hmm. has been throughout history, throughout religion, throughout philosophy, know thyself. And so the way I, and the way I see yoga is that what, that's exactly what it's about. Yeah. And experiential anatomy is one way. I'm not saying it's the only way yeah. it's one pathway to embodying that and to, and to have it as a, as a continual process of Mm self-inquiry so that you're always understanding that it's this day and I'm you know I didn't have a very good sleep or whatever and so I need to um I need to shore up my foot triangles a little bit or I really need to be in my psoas so that I can get through this meeting or I'll tell you I'll tell you a little story yes please (laughs) so Um, we're both like yeah (laughs) (laughs) story time Um, so the great thing about having taught, uh, yoga therapy training for 14 years is that I got to circle around the, you know, the spiral around the material over and over and over again, and it always changed. And so, um, at this, at the time of this story, we were working with the psoas and, um, we would probably do, I don't know, 30 hours on the psoas or something, a lot of hours on the psoas. Yeah. And I, I was getting my photo taken for the local newspaper 
No, we were standing in the hall. He was just going to use the the wall as a backdrop. And all and oh yeah, I I should say we were at the at the end of the SOAS training where where I talk a lot about the emotional stances that mm-hmm. the SOAS will cement for you. Mm-hmm. And so we had we were just going through what people had found in the previous weeks, you know, anger to controlled anger, um, you know, whatever. And one of my habits or one of my stances was giving up power to mail. Hmm. And so here I am standing in the hall with this photographer who I don't know. He's just some guy. And all of a sudden I realized that I've collapsed into my subservient giving up power to mail stance, even Hmm. though I'm sure he couldn't tell from the outside, but it's an inner stance. And in one millisecond, I realized that, and then I found my psoas, and then all of a sudden we were equals talking to each other. You know, and I don't know if he noticed anything, but I sure did. Yeah, fascinating to see if the photograph before looked different than the photograph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when you were saying that with the alignment, I often find I can see that in someone's face. So I'm not even looking at their body or their feet or whatever, Mm. but it's like their prana comes up to their eyes Mm. and they get aliveness. And you you go, okay, I know you've got it right. I haven't even looked at your butt or your feet. But I wonder if that showed in the photograph. Probably. Amazing. Probably. Yeah, because there's vitality. Yeah. And flow. And and flow. Prana. There's life. There's life force energy being, you know, I, I, I think that when we do this kind of work then we allow prana to shape us more and that's a practice in itself how can we allow prana to shape us and instead of putting ourselves in a position Mm -hmm. can we can we generate that position or grow that position using the information that we've been playing with Mm -hmm. right so it's never an imposition it's never Mm -hmm. just getting into a pose and getting out of a pose it's Mm -hmm. like where do we start from? Where do we generate the energy to do that? How do we get the support for that? And maybe there's an end point, maybe there isn't, because mm. it's the process that's mm-hmm. the important thing. Talk yeah. about life skills. Yeah. Holy moly. Really? I mean, mm. that's just the ultimate, isn't it? It's this this complete um, like control and connection of your whole being. Yeah. And, uh, and so what are people, t- like, what are students or other people that you've taught who are also teachers, what are they talking about with respect to this, like what they're gaining access to? Well, they get themselves. Yeah. They mm. get themselves. Yeah. In a deep way yeah. and in a, in, in a self-loving way. Mm. Um, I was really sick for a long time yeah. and I didn't know what self-love meant. And I realized, looking back on that time, and it was over 15 years of being really sick, Mm. um, that it was a slow and non-linear process of learning to love myself and to even understand what that meant Mm -hmm. and even just to breaking it down into something as simple as going to sleep when I feel tired. Mm. Mm -hmm you know, mm-hmm. or recognizing the signs of when I'm pushing myself mm-hmm. or things like that, having self-compassion for that poor 
woman who felt she had to give it all away all the time mm-hmm. and then ended up being really sick mm. because I you know I got burnt out yeah and so that so it was and it, experiential anatomy really helped me and also because I couldn't do very much because I was so sick I was chronic fatigue and and inflammatory arthritis systemically and I was just in excruciating pain so all I could do was just kind of crawl down to the studio and lie there and do these tiny little movements and um, they helped and mm. and I learned to put my hand on a sore place and mm. ask it what are you trying to tell me mm. and what do you need mm. you know so this process of of connecting to self, of communicating with self. Did you do that all yourself, or did you have anyone facilitating your experience or helping you? Just mm-hmm. by myself. Yeah, I, I, I was in, I was in a cocoon for almost fifteen years. I, I didn't have the energy to even talk to people, mm-hmm. although I taught. Yeah, wow, <laughs> that's you know, interesting. Well, I, I mean, people didn't know. I mean, nobody, yeah. hardly anybody knew how sick I was. Yeah. So you would resurrect. I would, I would, yeah. I would sleep and yeah. and be horizontal, and then I would go. I would teach, and I would teach often from a chair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I and I couldn't lift my arms up over my head, so I really had to learn how to articulate well because wow. I couldn't really demonstrate. And then I would go back upstairs and and, and sleep more. Wow. Yeah. Were you fully aware at that time that you were sick? Or did you feel as oh, though... I was in denial for many years. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, just, my gosh. I just love I, how what you're saying is, is that your major achievement is that you could actually sense when you were tired and needed sleep. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. oh I mean, my gosh. These things are so basic. And they it are. shows us how isolated even a yoga and a movement teacher... Yep. Yeah. Yep. That imagine the rest of the world who's not been taught any yeah, of this. Exactly. Stuff. Yeah. Who's uh, moving through life. Complete, so diminished from yeah. what they could be, yeah. but without any awareness of it yeah. whatsoever. Well, one of my practitioners at the time said, because I was I was sleeping sixteen hours a day, and, and there would be like I would sleep and have a nap in the morning, I have a nap in the afternoon, and this practitioner said to me, "Have a nap right after lunch," because I had been going to maybe three or four mm. o'clock, yeah. and I would be exhausting myself. Yeah. And I said, oh, there's no way I could go to sleep right after lunch after I just got up an hour earlier. <laughs> You're like, I want to just go up. You just try it. And it was like, next day I was gone. Mm. And I felt so much better because yeah. I had not depleted myself. Mm. Yeah. And so the whole concept of, of um, regeneration mm. became really important to me. And, and how do we do that on a moment-to-moment basis? Hmm. With our practice, with our breath, with yeah. how we stand, with how, you know, I'm finding that I'm doing my little crunch through my clavicles again, yeah. or whatever your habit is. And so knowing yourself is about knowing what your physical habits are, mm-hmm. what your breathing habits are, what your emotional mm-hmm. habits are, what mm-hmm. your mental habits are, and having compassion for that. Oh yeah. my goodness, I like that. There's so many things, but yeah. just saying that made me think about this whole concept of like energy, energy leakage. Yeah. How we're, you know, we've got these little bits of tension or various things all over and we're constantly making the foundation. Yeah. Making the foundation. We're, and then we're, and we're depleting it. Yeah. One question I've got is what, 
why, I mean, having, being a teacher and a therapist and all the rest of it, why is it that you, what do you think it was that kept you kind of in the dark for so long? If you know what I mean. Like, yeah. Wow. That's a deep question. Well, you know, I think that part of it is, and this is for our younger listeners, <laughs> is that in your 20s and your 30s, mm-hmm. you have tons of energy. Mm-hmm. And maybe even at the start of your 40s. Yeah. But somehow in the 40s and the 50s, you think you're the same person mm, and you try this. and be the same person, yeah. but you're not and you're, and you need different things, yeah. but you don't know. Yeah. You don't know how to do that. Yeah. And so you just like, for me, I just kept driving myself and driving myself and until I crashed. And it wasn't until maybe six years into being sick that I realized I'd burnt out. Wow. I just burnt out. Oh. Yeah. We were t- we talked about this a little we bit. Have. And just oh. it, just it, that's right. That how do you how do you age your practice? Which sounds yeah. like how do I become a geriatric? And that's not what no, it is at no. all. But it's really about tuning into how do you evolve? Exactly, you it's, evolve? Evol- it's an evolvement in an aware way. Like yeah. how do you become constantly aware of that's that's um, sustainable? Yep, yeah. and that acknowledges the changes that you're going through mm. in your life, whether it's menopause mm. or your your teenage kids are having problems at school mm. or whatever it is that that like in Ayurveda, what I love about Ayurveda is that everything is important. We have to take everything into account. Mm. And so if we're used to working fifty hours a week in our thirties and then we continue that practice in our 40s, well, what else has to happen in order to either support that mm. or for us to realize, you know what, I have to let some of this go. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And we're not taught that. No. no. We're not taught how to evolve as we age. Mm. And it's a gift. That's where aging is a gift, is because you actually Mm. have to discriminate what's important. Mm. Um, And it's also a gift of subtlety because it has a lot to do with prana. Because your reserves, they call them physiological reserves in medicine and stuff. As you get older, you you lose those physiological reserves. But your prana gets a little lower, like you're ripping with it when you're young. And then you hit those at age and it's, you've got to be much smarter about how you work. Mm-hmm. And you've got to consider that leakage of energy. Mm. Yeah. And then you have to think about restoring it. And I don't, I don't think that is taught anywhere with nope. yoga is how to, how to yeah. fuel back up. Yeah. yeah. I love the title of Robin Rothenberg's book on breathing. It's called mm. um, Restoring Prana. Oh. Restoring Prana. Wow. It's yeah. a good book. Is yeah. And, and Sandra, my, my, Sandra Sammartino, my first yoga teacher trainer, talked about her her translation of pranayama was the amplification and circulation of prana mm. like yeah. that amplification yeah so you're, and you're also kind of getting it to where it needs to be yeah because yeah. it's you know it's a, in a reservoir yeah. in the places that are stuck mm. Mm. there's lots of prana there mm-hmm. but we can't access it yeah. mm. and that's why it's so important as we age and evolve to keep 
a practice that keeps the prana flowing yeah. and it keeps our, our fascia nice and juicy and hydrated and so we we were we wanted to do a podcast one day and we will when we get the guts up is to do like what's prana yeah is because it? I think that it's not that obvious to people yeah you want to have a crack yeah <laughs> want, I, I was just going to say invite Libby but how would you define it to a beginner who walked into you and said oh you mentioned this prana stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um what is it? Oh, there's so many it? different ways to talk about prana. Mm. Um, What's your experience? Big, yeah, the yeah. big prana with the big capital P prana that contains all the other pranas is, for me, that which activates the structure, the inanimate structure that gives us that life force energy and that and that vitality and that moves everything and so if we want to have health then we have to keep moving prana Mm. so that the small pranas move all our physiological Mm. substances Mm. yeah so and when i think of the word prana I also think of that which connects us to everyone else mm-hmm. and to everything else, to the whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so okay, a couple of things I was thinking about. One of which is that, you know, we talked about this idea that, uh, it, you know, it's, it took you this long to kind of even recognize or realize that you were sick. And it's, I think, I wonder if part of that is because we don't, have a, we don't feel ourselves and we don't have this sort of baseline of what good is, what balance is. Yeah. You know? I think I was just, for me, I was just in denial. Yeah. I mean, I knew, knew I, were, were... I knew I was really, I knew I, I had to give up my massage therapy practice. Right. I mean, I was really sick. Huh. Um, but I was in denial about the, the, I think I was in denial about what I what I needed to do to adjust to that state right. that we were just talking about. Yeah. You're, you're 80. What do you need to do to be happy and, and mobile at age 80? Yeah. And I was whatever. Trying to be 20. I would, yeah, I was, <laughs> I was not acknowledging the yeah. reality. I was fighting. I kept fighting reality, Yeah. fighting reality, fighting reality mm-hmm. and not admitting that I really couldn't do these things. Mm. And I, you know, I mean, that's how I was in my life. I would just do everything. Yeah. And then, oh, well, I guess that's too much. Yeah. You know, in my perfectionist self, I would, I would just keep ramming, keep ramming. And, and the same thing happened until, until, and I think this comes to everyone who's really sick for a long time, Mm. um, a place of surrender. Yeah. You know, it's like, Okay, okay, God, you've taken me down to zero. (laughs) I can't be anything. So who am I? And if this is going to be my life, Mm. I had to admit this is my life. If this is going to be my life, Mm. 
then how am I going to be with that? Mm. And that was a real turning point sure. for me. Mm. But it was like six, seven years in. It sounds mm. like a grim moment, too. I feel really I know. Really yeah. You know, know, my heart goes out to that woman who had that moment of surrender because yeah. it is yeah. so painful. Yeah. And then it's so beautiful almost yeah. in the same second. But yeah. I wonder, because we see this same pattern again and again. Mm. Do you think it's necessary for that? Like, do you think it's necessary for everyone to have that moment in some shape? Or I form? think that it, it's helpful for someone like me to say, to give my experience, to tell people my experience. But I think it's an intellectual event. Yeah. It's a cerebral event. And if, if you were to get really sick, God forbid, yeah. you would have to find your own process. There's a great mm. book called How to Be Sick. Mm. Um, I can't remember the author how to be sick yeah and she was so sick she had to write that book in very very tiny segments and and it's all about her experience Mm. it's just a fabulous book of you know coming to terms with having to miss out on family stuff and you know like I would get dressed up to go somewhere with my husband because I knew he wanted it so badly mm. that I was able to go to something with them. Yeah. And I'd get to the front door and I'd say, you know what, sweetheart, I just, I can't do this. Mm. I can't do this. Wow. I know I can do it, yeah. but I would pay for it for three weeks of horizontal. Yeah. So, wow. so back, I mean, to, to follow from Shara's question, can we save people from this? Like if we get them early with the yoga and they I know think themselves so. enough. Hmm. Yeah. I I think I think that the way that we teach yoga, if it's about teaching people how to have self compassion yeah. and how and the whole concept of restoration mm. and uh, rejuvenation and balance, I think we can. Hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I mean I wish that someone had taught me. Yeah. About that, that if I go really hard yeah. for two weeks, then I need to restore. Mm-hmm. Or even every day when I'm going that hard, mm-hmm. I need to restore. Or in every moment, I can be aware that, oh, I'm not breathing. Mm-hmm. And take, you know, take that, um, those two breaths before I answer the phone or whatever. You know, that's what we need. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's probably the greatest piece of and the most common piece of feedback that i get from students over this i mean i've had other studio or other um, practices but certainly in this last 21 years with this studio is that they people feel like they're practicing yoga every moment Mm, i bet yeah yeah that's fabulous. Do you get resistance when you're going? Like I know you tour around and do teacher trainings in various places. So do you do you have people come up against you? Does is, you know, no, 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 because it's um, because it's all about them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and it's not in that way. It's not threatening. It's about learning about their bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and exactly. and the self compassion. Yeah is something that comes from that. I'm mm. not saying you need to learn self-compassion. No. Right. You know, it's like, well, this is how I think about it, kind of. When, you're, when, when a baby is born, it, it discovers its different body parts. Mm. And experiential anatomy and, and, and 
uh, somatic practices is kind of like a, a way of saying, sweetheart, this is your knee. Mm. Baby, this is your shoulder. Mm. It can move, right? And go bit by bit. And, mm. it, and, and it's like right from the get-go, that person appreciates mm. yeah. the miracle of themselves. Yeah. And with experiential anatomy, we've got this whole world inside of us yeah. that can change how we are yeah. in the world and with ourselves. Oh, I, I think deep, deep down, I know, isn't it? Deep down, I feel like all we want is to know ourselves better. Yeah. We just don't know how. And starting with the physical is so powerful. That's what I think. That's why I think yoga is really powerful because people, it's something you can feel. It's something you can so easily access that just, you know, like you're saying, it's like the door to everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about with trauma? Because that's, mm. I thought interoception was key to everything and that was what we needed to do. But yeah. I found like in my short stint, stint in the mental health unit, trying to teach yoga, that taking them interoceptively was actually quite hair raising for people. Like it, well, it depends on how it's done. Yeah, yeah. I suppose probably. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you start with the with the fingers feet, yeah. and the feet, yeah. you should be all right. That's pretty non-threatening. Yeah. Yeah. You don't gallop to the psoas. <laughs> no. no, do not gallop to the psoas. <laughs> right. But like, I think you mentioned this. It's like the, the non-threatening part is this is just a piece of you. Yeah. And, um, you know, if it doesn't feel comfortable for you to touch it, then does it feel okay for you to put your mind there? Mm. Does it feel okay for you to imagine sending your breath there? Mm. Is it okay? So here's a, you know, here's my skeleton and, and this is how this joint moves. Can you visualize that mm. when you're moving, when you're doing this movement? Mm. And, and then it's not, like, it's not about trauma. It isn't. That's right. Yeah. But it's interoception. Mm-hmm. Inters, and I, I think it is, it kind of slides in in a very non-threatening way. Yeah. As opposed to saying, how does your, what does your gut tell you? Yeah. Which is just like, yeah. woo, off the yeah. scale. Down a black hole. But I like that idea that you started with extremities that yeah. was... That idea that's very non-threatening. Mm. Yeah. And, and then move in. I've always been intrigued with my hands yeah. and feet and just the way they move and the touch mm. and the just everything that they give you access to in the world. You yeah. Know? Or, you know, or the eyes yeah. or the skull, you know, we yeah. can play with the fascia on our, on our, mm. on our skull. Mm. Through, through. I love that sequence you just sort of talked through, which was like, you can feel it with your hands, you mm. take your hands yeah. there, mm. touch it. Can you... Um, you know, put your mind it. there, your breath yeah. there. Mm-hmm. So there are different levels of what you can take there. Yeah. And each person is going to be different what, what can go first. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's why the learn it part is important because yeah. I have a skeleton and I have different skeletal models. Yeah. yeah. And I use different uh, things mm-hmm. like Visual. balloons yeah, and, tools. you know, the Hoberman sphere and stuff like that. Um so that they have a visual and we know the visual sense is really what the most powerful um sense and then then can they take that into their body so if when they see i do like for example i make uh um, wooden spools with marshmallows in between them and i sew them together and that's the spine Mm -hmm. with the discs right and then yeah and they can see okay well it's the discs that allow the movement Mm -hmm. right and if they're all squished then and dried up like dried up marshmallows Mm -hmm. then they're not going to move so then 
can you feel those in can you visualize those inside of you can you can you blow them up imagine pumping them up with your breath as you inhale and then softening as you exhale and can you imagine moving from your from your disc yeah so stuff like that and then it's it's non-threatening and they and it's a way of of taking their awareness inside their body and intercepting and and um, that's not like that you said gallop to the psoas. <laughs> I'm like thinking of Monty Python, don't stampede for the universe. <laughs> so are you working primarily with people who are looking, who have something that they're specifically looking to heal? Yeah. Yeah? And so I wonder, because I'm always looking from the prevention side of things and how yeah. these tools, like how we can be teaching well people yeah. these tools yeah. and empowering them to, yeah. you know. Well, I like everybody's got something. Yeah. So I've got, I mean, I have yeah. students who come just because they, um, they want to stay healthy. Yeah. But, um, you know, most of my, most of the people in my classes come because somebody said, oh, Centerpoint Yoga Therapy, she, you know, she works with people with knee problems and headaches and, mm. you know, whatever yeah yeah and so that's how a lot of people get there but then they stay <laughs> for <Yeah>. years <laughs> you know because they're getting more much more than than that yeah you know this is my dream for every single yoga class yeah every one of them not not just the yoga therapy you know specific stuff for every class I just, so here, I have a question from that. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I do yoga teacher training, and I get fr- I never have wanted to do my own because I want to come over the top because it frustrates me so much what they're learning mm-hmm. and they're. If you were gonna, have you ever done a two hundred hour teacher training? I never have. No. Okay. So and I would therapy. never want to. <laughs> no. You know, I want the teachers already out there cool. yeah. who are already awesome. seeing what they don't know exactly right. where their gaps are. That's what I want to do too. Yeah. But I wonder, like, what do we need? Is it just a process that you need to go through, or could we save them before they're they're lost? Is there? I mean, I, I guess we used to sit at our teachers' feet for years, yeah, and so you learned things in a very different way. Well, I think I, I haven't I haven't done much of this, mm-hmm. um, but I think there's a real place for um, master teacher workshops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how to be. A better you know how to not a better how mm-hmm. how to be you know a better yoga teacher how to be a uh, and and do it that way mm-hmm. so they've already gone through their two hundred hour training they yeah. don't want to do a yoga therapy training but they know that they need to be more expansive in how they're you know I do I do a series of workshops called um, um, uh, Oh yeah, demystifying back pain for yoga teachers, mm. or demystifying whatever for yoga teachers. Yeah, because yeah. that's yeah. where the gaps come. You're, you're, yeah. you know, you're teaching, and all of a sudden there's all these people with, you know, cruciate ligament problems, and, and they're like, <laughs> oh, what is that? Oh, yeah, and exactly. Like, um, toe, and it's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> what do with this? Yeah, yeah. And people worry too much, too, of that it's that they have to, like with older people, they think, oh, they're old, you know, we can't touch them. And it's like, no, 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 they actually were intelligence still. Yeah. (laughs) You need to trust their own intelligence. Yeah. But you need to give someone enough information. Yeah. So that learn it phase. Yeah. So that they can, they can understand. And I I love that with the Laura Mermosley and David Butler stuff. When they're dealing with pain, they say a huge part of 
edgy of pain relief is education about pain yeah. about the process so that that intellectual mind gets to learn about it understand it and then it's like okay you're ready to come with your body into this yeah, yeah. and to understand their own beliefs and yeah, fears exactly. and yeah wow i have been afraid to move mm-hmm. because of this and wow if i just explore this in a really gentle and aware way mm-hmm. i can go to there wow mm-hmm. yay mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think and we could talk about this forever but do you think that that just that just that scenario that you described expands out into what into people's lives not in terms of their physical movement but in terms of their the way that they interact with the world absolutely absolutely and people report this back all the time yeah that what they've learned in class they teach other people and then Mm. it just keeps it just keeps rippling out yeah especially with some of the really simple and and foundational um experiential anatomy practices Mm -hmm. like the foot triangles like the psoas work and yeah even as simple as pelvic position. Yeah. You know, I want you to come and do all these. I know. Learning, I learning, learning, let's learning go. About the foot triangles. <laughs> Just in a free one on Yoga You Online. And I yeah. remember listening to you. I was like, I never ever related to the four corners of the feet. Yeah. And I wasn't. And, and when you said foot triangle, and I do relate to them. It, I don't think it's yeah. wrong or right. But the foot triangle made me feel like you're balancing your foot. Yes. Which felt so dynamic. Mm. And it was it was just it a revelation. all your core muscles. It does. It just completely yeah. changes things. Yeah. So how many of those little workshops and things do you have? Oh, endless. You got foot triangles. Endless. And, yeah. yeah. Endless. endless. Yeah. I have six hundred pages of teacher manual. Wow. Teaching manual without photos. God. <laughs> oh my goodness. Endless. I'll be teaching till till I die. That's <laughs> sure. Like Charlotte Selber, who died at one hundred and two. Wow. Teaching. Oh. Yeah. Um, from a bed. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We'll how fantastic start is that? Yeah. I mean, I know you did it in Melbourne this year, but we'll get you doing it in Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. And so, okay. So, kind of, just to kind of wrap things, because I've... Mm. So, um, we've heard so many amazing things. And to me, it, for me, it's always about the feeling. And just the feeling of all of this is just so good. It's, like, so juicy. I've got two questions. The first... And we talked a little bit about prana, but I'm, there's, I still want to scratch below the surface because I feel like prana is this incredibly important, but also so elusive. And there's a reason in part for that. Um, but if, if people can start to begin to understand what prana means mm. or feels like mm-hmm. for someone else, mm-hmm. they may just yeah. begin to recognize the tiniest seed okay. of it in themselves. Okay. So if you had to yeah. describe it. Well, I'm hearkening back to some teaching from Sandra San Martino. Mm-hmm. And she said over and over and over again, and I say this over and over and over again, that where thought goes, prana goes. Mm. And where breath goes, prana goes. Mm. And so when you're, when you do a movement, whatever it is, if you, if, if you're, if your mind is in the movement, mm-hmm. then you're bringing prana there. If you're breathing, imagining sending your breath Mm -hmm. there. And if you stop after you do the movement and feel for the subtle feeling Mm -hmm. of what happened. And that's prana. You know, if you're doing, if you're doing a, if you do a forward bend and you, and you bend and uh, bend and straighten your knees a few times and and increase the distance between your heel and your sitting bone and you widen your sitting bones a few times um and then you stand up and you get this whoosh, mm. that's prana i love that i love using words like that yeah 
Because there's nothing, there's no other way of describing <laughs> it, but we get it, you know? Yeah, or I the buzz, that. you know, yeah. when I ask people to describe mm-hmm. it and it's like, you know, it feels like effervescence mm-hmm. or it feels like heat or I Light, feel yeah. lightness mm-hmm. or airiness or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. yeah. So and teaching beginners, you have to tap into those moments, don't you, where yeah. it's like, here's an intro to prana. Mm-hmm. We just did your right leg. Yeah. What does your right leg feel compared to your leg? Because yeah. mm-hmm. then you don't have to study for 30 years mm-hmm. to get it. I yeah. want people to know this is important. Yeah. Don't just let that feeling go. No. Like, you don't, you don't have to hold on to it, but notice it. Yeah. And that prana... Yeah will have been released from tight fists Mm -hmm. in your tissues. Mm -hmm. And then that prana is available for you in your life. Mm. Yeah. Like I think, I think in Feldenkrais in one of his books um, said something like we've got um, that 85% of our energy is used up just by our physiology. Mm -hmm. So that means we have 15% 15% to use in our life. Mm. So if more, if some of that 15% is tied up mm. in, in tension and in blockages and in, um, well, you know, habits, then it behooves us really to release that full 15% yeah. so that we can live our lives Yep, that just sold me. Is there also, like, I mean, <laughs> are we talking, does it, is there a correspondence to kind of a tight body where people are constricted and they stretch or move and then they release prana? I see so many who are hypermobile, who are, are uncontained. And yeah. so it feels less, it feels like they're just leaking all over yeah. the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that, have you got a different, so one they, that yeah, fist? yeah, well, they need to. I love how in um, in Chinese medicine, if you if you um, draw if you move a circle in to the uh, counterclockwise, mm-hmm. then it's it's dispersing, mm-hmm. and if you do a clockwise, then it's it's um, um, it's contracting. So when as a massage therapist, as I was going through the organs into the into the psoas, I would be going counterclockwise mm-hmm. because that would open up. And so with people who are hyper mobile, there's a there's a containment and a cohesion and a contract. And I don't want to use Strength contracting an activation, mm-hmm. an yeah. activation or a, um, an engagement needs to happen and. Um, I don't, and I would think that when that happens, when their body comes into balance, that then prana is actually liberated and flows because um, it's got a pathway. You know, prana needs a pathway. And if it's blocked with tension or if it's, you know, if the joints are so splayed that it's leaking out everywhere, then it can't circulate. And we want prana to circulate. So you're yeah. creating almost a, like a, I think of those, um, a closed system. Do you know those telephone things where you put a string between yeah. two cups and yeah. you can't really talk from a saggy string and you can't also yeah. talk from an over tight string, yeah. but you need the perfect tension on the string to be yeah. able to transfer the message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you need to have a, a certain, the balance of compression and, 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 uh, and tension, and yeah. tension yeah. in your tissues, mm-hmm. you know, the whole biotensegrity thing yeah um in order to move and be balanced in your life oh yeah beautiful love that yeah 
So I've got another question. Do you have Do you have any no, other questions? No, I'm just I'm just thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What's your What's your question? So my and I, I mean, this is I'm thinking maybe the last question mm-hmm. unless something else comes out of this. Yeah. But based on everything that you've shared and that you've told us from a um, theoretical standpoint, like informational standpoint, but also just from your own personal experience, what do you think are the keys to living like you love yourself? The keys to living, living like, you, like, love like you love yourself. Yeah. Well, I think the main one is what we've already talked about, mm-hmm. the know thyself. Mm-hmm. So to be and to have the self-compassion to see yourself and to say, oh, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Instead of, oh, you stupid idiot, yeah. you're doing that again. Yeah. Um, so to know yourself, to know your habits, to, of, to know all your habits, mm-hmm. to have compassion for those habits... Um, one thing that I, another thing I learned from Judith is that we have our patterns because we needed to survive. And so it's important to honor and acknowledge our patterns because we needed them Mm. and we may not still need them, but we need to honor that, that they got us through that time. And so I, th- I think that developing a practice of self-compassion and knowing yourself in a self-compassionate way of just saying, isn't that interesting? Mm. Yeah, those are two really big keys. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so good. <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank you, Leela. Yeah, so thank you. This has been brilliant. Really it's brilliant. Like, I have enjoyed myself immensely. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> and we'll put all your stuff up. So we'll yeah. put in the show notes so people Everything. can find out every single thing that you okay. said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, seek you out wonderful thank you thank you may we all all know ourselves Mm. in a deeper and and more self-loving way well I hope that you enjoyed that conversation you know it felt very much like three old friends just getting together to talk shop Leela is an absolute delight to spend time with. And both Marie and I felt like we got so much out of the conversation, which, as you may have guessed, happened before the coronavirus was declared a pandemic. Since this chat, life has definitely changed quite significantly for most of us. And as I mentioned at the beginning, Marie and I have figured out that these conversations are a great way to inject even the smallest sense of normalcy into our lives at the moment. So they've always been a great way for us to connect to each other. But now, especially given the the feedback that we've been getting, now we can feel the power that they have to connect us to all of you. So we're making plans to get more episodes out there and to share more about what these unprecedented, unprecedented times are actually bringing up for us and for you. We're also hoping to do some more juicy interviews. So stay tuned in and please, please take care of yourself and each other. Namaste.